People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of Jewel. I am. I feel like with this one, we should just get right into it. How do you feel about that? I think so too. Okay, so let me just explain to you guys directly. Basically, we are going to do a Jamie Lynn Brittany breakdown just of what's gone on recently. People seem to be really confused and I very much understand why there's so much going on. But we were kind of waiting till part two of Call Her Daddy came out because it just seemed like the part one, which we'll get into, was a little bit more of background information. And we kind of anticipated part two being a little bit more dramatic. And so we wanted to be able to recap that. But it was supposed to come out at midnight. I totally understand more than anyone, you know, having technical issues, which is what Alex was having. So at the time that we're recording this, it's still not out and we don't have a choice. I know I'm sure by the time this episode goes up, it will have already come out, but we can't release the episode any later than today. So we're doing the best we can, but that is the general overview of the situation. So everything we're going to cover is up until the end of part one, call her daddy and what transpired a little bit after that. Unfortunately, part two is not out for us to be able to listen to and then recap if we want to get this episode up today. So that's the plan. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. I feel like we can look at this as a little prerequisite to being able to watch part two of the interview. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what people were saying. It's that there's just a lot happening. And I think they wanted a little bit more of a breakdown in one place because half the shit was on a podcast, half the shit was in a book. The other stuff was on Instagram, on Twitter. So I guess basically what we did is put everything together in hopefully one episode that you can listen to and feel like you're caught up. And then you can listen to part two of Call Her Daddy if you're interested and maybe you'll feel a little bit more informed to do so. Yes? Yes. Okay. So listen, this stuff with Jamie and Brittany clearly goes back years, but the first moment that we want to really point to is June 24th, 2021, because that is when Brittany had her conservatorship hearing. And that's the first time when she spoke out publicly. If you guys remember, that was live stream. Remember there were people literally waiting outside of the courtroom. They had a megaphone. It was being heard by millions and millions of people. If you remember, that's when she was talking really fast and the judge kept telling her, you know, I need you to slow down. And she kept saying, I'm sorry, ma'am. This is just, there's just so much that I have to get through. And if you remember, I mean, we talked about that at length. It was 
harrowing is I think the only word that I can use to really describe what it felt like to listen to her recount her experience. Yeah. I mean, it's been a couple of months since that happened and so much has changed in terms of the Britney and the conservatorship stuff. Obviously we know now the conservatorship has been removed, but that June 24th hearing was nothing short of explosive. I mean, we had been waiting a very long time for that information to come out and for Brittany to be able to speak on behalf of herself. And I think what that testimony did was not only answer our questions, but make us feel like, wow, there was so much we couldn't have even begin to know. Right. And so obviously her statement was lengthy, but the one line that I really want to point to just in terms of this conversation is when she said, quote, anyone involved in this conservatorship and my management who played a huge role in punishing me should be in jail. And I would honestly like to sue my family to be totally honest with you. So if you remember, the months leading up to that hearing is when the conversation, I would say slowly but surely, started to pick up around people having a lot of frustration towards the other members of her family, not just her father. And so when she said that line, specifically calling out her family, no, she didn't say Jamie Lynn by name. I think what it really did was made the public feel like, okay, all bets are off basically rally the troops. That was kind of, if I had to put words to the energy that the public took or her diehard fans took after hearing that, it was as if they were saying all of our suspicion about Jamie Lynn's involvement was correct. And now let's hit the ground running. I also think an important caveat to this conversation in terms of the relationship between Jamie Lynn and Brittany is that this certainly wasn't a situation where Brittany and Jamie were always estranged from each other and that they didn't have a good relationship growing up. Like as the public, I don't believe up until very recently that that was our view of them. When they were younger and when we were younger, Brittany and Jamie Lynn were as close as sisters could get. I mean, I remember always viewing them as like best, best friends. And even up until kind of recently, they had always publicly supported each other. So I think up until a couple of years prior to this conservatorship hearing, or maybe even a couple of months prior to it, we as the public were under the impression that they were on good terms. So when this came out during her conservatorship hearing, it kind of confirmed what a lot of Britney's closest fans and and biggest supporters felt, which was that Jamie Lynn may have had some involvement in this whole thing. So all of this is obviously leading up to November when the conservatorship was officially terminated, but just quick backtrack for a second. In June or July of last year, that's when we start to see the beginnings of this back and forth between them on social media. Because if you guys remember, a few days after that hearing is when Jamie Lynn took to her Instagram story and she basically said, you know, I wanted to let my sister speak first before I ever said anything. I've always loved and supported her. Britney's closest fans did not take well to that. And then you guys remember that video that was going viral from the 2017 Radio Disney Music Awards where Jamie Lynn sang Britney's song Till the World Ends. That clip was circulating. And a few days later is when Britney made the Instagram post talking about it. And, you know, she specifically said, my so-called support system hurt me deeply. This conservatorship killed my dreams. I don't like that my sister showed up at an award show and performed my song to remixes, which in the scheme of things, I guess, felt like a smaller detail or a little bit more trivial, but it was a direct call out. And up until that point, she had definitely been alluding to things, but her language was always more general. It was always my family, or she would post quotes that were a little bit more vague talking about, you know, nobody catching your hand when you're drowning, but she never really specifically said my sister. So what I said about the hearing when she directly called out my family, I mean, 
This in my eyes is when it really intensified because now she said my sister, she was putting a name to everybody's speculation. And in my head, I know a lot of people wouldn't, but to me, this is where I pinpointed all really, really starting in terms of their back and forth publicly. Yeah, that's where I pinpointed as well. I think also because during the conservatorship hearing, like you said, it was very general. So you were kind of drawing your own conclusions and you didn't have that confirmation that when she said that line about her family, that that necessarily included Jamie Lynn. So now that she's posting a direct call out to her, it basically was like, no confirmation, 100%. When I say my family, I mean her too. So as we all know, September, her dad suspended and November 12th of last year is when the conservatorship is officially ended after 13 years. So for the last few months, things have been relatively quiet. Obviously, Brittany's been posting, but there hasn't been that much back and forth between the two of them. So we're now really fast forwarding to eight days ago. January 12th is when Jamie goes on Good Morning America to promote her new book, Things I Should Have Said. And this is when she's speaking more publicly about her situation with Brittany. One of the quotes is, I've only ever loved and supported her and done what's right by her. And she knows that. So I don't know why we're in this position right now. So the way that I kind of view this in my mind, if we're doing a general temperature check, is that they both acknowledge that something is off. They're not on good terms. But when you hear Jamie Lynn talk about it, it's filled with a lot of confusion saying, you know, I don't really know how we got to this place. It's a little bit more vague and it's acknowledging the reality, but kind of confused as to how it became this reality. Whereas when you hear Brittany talk about it, there are very specific examples that she can point to. And she's very upset by the way that things have gone on for years and years. So it's interesting because typically when you hear two people acknowledge that they're in a shitty place, their version of events are not this different. And I think that what's really confusing to the public is how can Brittany have so many specific instances and be so angry at so many different things, yet Jamie Lynn has no idea what is going on. It's like, I think the discrepancy is what is so hard to wrap your head around if you're trying to watch Jamie Lynn's interviews and understand what's happening. I agree. I also think a huge piece of it is that we're almost dealing with two different timelines here, whereas Brittany is talking about the now of it all and the conservatorship and the role that she felt that Jamie played in not speaking up for her or not helping her out, whatever it may be. Whereas Jamie's position in it and what Jamie's dealing with and talking about now is the, it's a lot of the past and it's a lot of the way they grew up and a lot of, you know, what led them both to the point that they're at now in terms of their lives, not necessarily in terms of their relationship. And so when you're dealing with somebody who's kind of rehashing the past and going over all of the events of their childhood, and you have the other person, which is Brittany, talking about the now and being hurt in the moment, it's really hard for either of them to come to an understanding because you're dealing with two completely separate things. Right. And then a day after this on January 13th is when Brittany officially responds on Twitter. She does so in a notes app response. And she starts out by saying, anyways, the two things that did bother me that my sister said was how my behavior was out of control. She was never around me much 15 years ago at that time. So why are they even talking about that unless she wants to sell a book at my expense? Really? Okay. So this is the first acknowledgement of Jamie Lynn selling the book. And then remember a few minutes ago when I was talking about how in July, Britney had posted about the 2017 Radio Disney Music Awards when Jamie Lynn did the remix to her song. And in it, she said, I don't like that my sister showed up at an award show and performed my song to remixes. So in this GMA interview, Juju Chang asked Jamie Lynn about that. And she basically said, 
you know, why did Britney accuse you of doing remixes to her songs? So in this response, Britney says, I know it may sound like a silly thing to most people, but I wrote a lot of my songs and my sister was the baby. She never had to work for anything. Everything was always given to her. If you were me, you might understand asking for 13 years for remixes to go into a small venue show and on tours. 13 years later, they assigned me as the mother of all, heart of gold, Brittany, sitting there seeing a 15-minute performance of everything I have ever wanted. I know this may seem like a small detail, but to me, this was really important because basically what happened here was Juju Chang asked Jamie Lynn directly about something that Brittany had posted about in July, again, referencing the clip that had gone viral. Jamie Lynn speaks about it, again, filled with a lot of kind of confusion. And here, Brittany responds directly, in my opinion, explaining her point very clearly of why it was so upsetting to her. Totally. That's the biggest issue I think that we're having between the two of them, which is just an extreme lack of communication. I know before I was basically making the point of saying like the reason that I think they can't get to that place is because they're on two different timelines. And I think the other thing you're seeing here is Brittany now crossing over to Jamie Lynn's timeline. And now they're both dealing with a lot of childhood resentment. And so when Brittany makes that point of Jamie Lynn never had to work for anything in her life, this isn't just the now of the conservatorship. This is now a lot of resentment in terms of what Brittany feels she had to go through versus what Jamie Lynn didn't. And what Jamie Lynn is dealing with here and talking about is what she feels she had to go through being the baby of the family, being in Britney's spotlight this whole time versus what Britney didn't have to go through because she was already older and established at the time. So it's one thing when we're dealing with the conservatorship stuff. It's a whole other story when you're dealing with unresolved childhood issues that they clearly have never worked through. Yeah. And so the thing that sticks out to me is, yes, at times, there is a discrepancy in terms of what they each say are the actual events that took place. But it's less of that and more so, even when they agree that an event did happen, their recounting of it is completely different in terms of the root of it or what was going on or how it made each of them feel. I mean, it's just so shocking to me that, forget about now. I understand now they're in a very shitty situation, but growing up or when we were growing up, I remember, like you said, viewing them as close. And so to now witness how these very transformational and at times seemingly trivial events took place and were just perceived completely differently by two people who we thought were close is fascinating. I mean, I don't mean to sound pessimistic because of course I hope that there is some resolve, but it's like, how do you even attempt to kind of work out things with someone when your view on what happened isn't even the same? I think that it says so much more about them as sisters than anything else, because I think you could take any, any sibling combination and any childhood famous or not famous. And if you recount the events of their childhood, it could be the exact same event and they could agree on the exact details of what happened, but their view of that situation will always be different because a lot of times the way that it impacted you is not the same. And so That's clearly what we're dealing with here, where Jamie and Brittany can both say, 100%, this is what happened in our childhood. But the way I view it is entirely different than the way you're viewing it. And that's where all of this resentment is building. That example of Brittany saying that Jamie's never had to work for anything in her life is one of the biggest discrepancies of the way they view their upbringing. Because for Brittany, it's like, oh my God, I paved the way for her. She would have nothing without me. And for Jamie, it's like, I just wanted to do what I loved and it happened to be the same thing. And so 
when you're having that as a starting point, and even going back further than that, forget about the fame stuff. You know, when you're talking about growing up in a household with toxic parents, as they both clearly can agree on, they're having a discrepancy over who had it worse, I think, and whose situation was more impacted by that toxicity. So a lot of this has nothing to do with being famous. At the same time, it has everything to do with it. No, that's exactly how I feel. The fame is so interwoven in all of this and you cannot remove that because yes, they grew up in the same toxic household, which we will get into, but none of this would have gone down in the way that it did if there wasn't this profound level of fame. I mean, it it changed things in a way that I don't think any of us, even those of us who consider ourselves to be relatively well-versed could ever really truly understand. Right. Because that's the thing. Sibling and specifically sister relationships are complicated enough as is. When you add an element of fame, you're dealing with a whole other ballgame here. And you're not just talking fame. I mean, to me, Britney Spears is one of the most, if not the most iconic public figure of our entire generation. I mean, you remember growing up what that was like. I, I found a video for my sixth birthday party recently and we were doing these books about ourselves. And basically my entire personality at six years old was just idolizing Britney Spears. And obviously I'm just one of many, but that was such a relatable experience. It was, she was such a part of our childhood, of our lives. I mean, this is Britney fucking Spears. Like I think the current situation has sometimes tainted the view, not for a lot of us, clearly I, I understand that, but when you really think back to the height of it, there was nothing like that. I don't know if we will ever see anything like that again. There's nothing that I personally can compare to the impact that she had. And so, yes, sibling dynamics are complicated. You add in really fucked up parents and then this level of fame, it's it's uncharted territory. Totally. Okay. So January 13th, same day that Brittany posted is when Jamie Lynn directly responds to her on Instagram, basically saying, the last thing I want to be doing is this, but here we are. And she says, quite frankly, the things being said are absolutely not the truth. And I have to clarify that because it's now it's getting harder for me to rationalize to my oldest daughter, why our family continues to get death threats as a result of their aunt's vague and accusatory posts, especially when we know she could tell the truth and put an end to all of it in one second if she wanted to. And she then talks about how her book isn't really about Brittany. She says, I can't help that I was born a Spears too, and that some of my experiences involve my sister. I've worked hard since before I was even a teenager, and I built my career in spite of just being someone's little sister. Right here is one of the most perfect examples to what we were talking about when she says, I've worked hard since before I was even a teenager, and I built my career in spite of just being someone's little sister. They both agree that Jamie Lynn was in Britney's shadow, but Jamie Lynn recounts it as one of her biggest obstacles. And Britney recounts it as like, how fucking lucky are you that I paved the way for you and all you had to do was basically show up. And that to me is like the most perfect example of two people that kind of agree on the general events, but have the most opposite perceptions of what actually transpired. Right, exactly. The other really important line in all of this is Jamie making the claim that this book isn't about Britney. It's about my life. And that obviously is going to include Britney. And that point is fair. Like, I think that point is correct. At the same time, what people are really upset and annoyed about, and what I imagine Britney is really upset and annoyed about, is that Britney finally gets free. This conservatorship is over. Britney finally gets her voice back. Like, an obstacle that has been in her way for the past 13 years, that has just taken over her whole life. And now, within a couple of months of that finally happening, her sister releases a book. 
And her sister releases a book that recounts a lot of details of Britney's life and a lot of details of things that maybe Britney didn't want out in the public yet or Britney wasn't ready to talk about yet. And so I don't think that this is necessarily an example of Jamie Lynn, you're not allowed to tell your story. I think it's more an example of you couldn't have waited to tell your story. I mean, I know that we will get into this, but Julie, to me, all of this is the timing. Like, yes, the majority of this book is not about Brittany. Of course, there are anecdotes that I don't think she would necessarily want public. But yes, she does have a story to share and she's right. Every single person is entitled to do that. But this woman waited 13 years to get out of this situation. She finally gets out and this book comes out. I'm sorry, even if there was no previous drama, even if nobody had any feelings on Jamie Lynn, there was nothing that any member of Britney's family or anyone close to her could have come out with right after this conservatorship ended that would have been received well. And I'm sorry, I don't think you can argue that. Like, it's not that I disagree. Like I said, that she's allowed to share her story. Every single person has a story, whether or not other people view it as accurate. But it had to be right now. Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't know how you get here. Right. That's the piece of it that I can't really get over either, which is the timing. You're a hundred percent right. Everything else you can make an argument for, you know, you don't have to agree that you don't think, you don't have to think that Jamie Lynn's story is important to this whole thing. But if she wants to tell her story, then like that's her prerogative. But right now this timing really. And I think what a lot of people feel like is Brittany went through an incredibly traumatic 13 years. I mean, literally, when you look at it, her human rights were basically stripped from her for the past 13 years. She couldn't do anything on her own. She couldn't make her own decisions. And that is a really, really, really awful position to be forced into. And I think what a lot of people feel like is, yeah, Jamie Lynn, you certainly have a story. You certainly have a toxic household that you grew up in. That's the same as the toxic household that Brittany grew up in. And we can understand that and even sympathize with it maybe. But your sister went through a traumatic 13 years and now you feel like it's your time to tell your story. I'm just confused by it more than anything. I understand that if I'm her, I probably have the mindset of like, you know what? No time is the right time. And she's probably not wrong in that. I mean, I think that a lot of diehard Brittany fans just absolutely despise Jamie Lynn and nothing that she was ever going to do or say was going to bode well with them. But to me, there's just a gentleness around the timing that was clearly not at all executed here. The one point that I do need to make though is in that Instagram story response when she says, it's getting harder for me to rationalize to my oldest daughter why our family continues to get death threats. That's like a full stop. I don't know why, no matter how much people dislike this woman, think that she wronged Brittany. And in a lot of ways, she maybe could. What the fuck do we know? There's nothing that anybody is ever going to say to me that is going to convince me that her and her family, consisting of young girls, deserve to be getting death threats. It's actually insane behavior what's happening here. You are allowed to love and adore Brittany and think that she is entitled to every ounce of her freedom, as we both do. But for that to then manifest itself into thinking that her sister deserves to be scared for her life is is not normal. Like the two cannot exist. You cannot claim to be a morally sound human being and then also want this woman's little girls who are absolutely innocent in all of this, say what you want about their mom, knew nothing, for them to have to get added security because of fear. Like, guys, come on. It, and not, I don't say guys, meaning any of you are doing that, but the, some of the stuff that I've seen online, it's like, to me, it's really concerning and almost 
I know it sounds crazy, but I almost feel as saying this will get responses of people disagreeing and I'm not changing my stance. Like there's no amount of public pressure that's going to make me say that I think that she deserves to be scared for her life. That's, that's ridiculous. These are people we don't even know personally. No, I, I mean, of course I completely agree. I think that's also why I think for at least both of us discussing the story is a little bit more difficult because I think what Brittany went through was having her humanity completely removed for the past 13 years. And so to take on this case and be like, well, now we're going to switch it and the roles are going to reverse and we're going to remove humanity from the other side, nothing's going to get accomplished in that way. It's just not right morally. It's also just not productive. And so I think it's a little bit nerve wracking or a little bit scary to have this discussion when you still feel like, okay, I can disagree with Jamie Lynn a million percent in terms of the timing of this book and releasing it. And I may feel like she shouldn't have released it at all. But I also don't feel like I can go into this conversation and say that all of the experiences that she had in her life should be discounted and ignored. Well, that's how I feel. And I know it's a super unpopular opinion. I mean, you should see the way that people have reached out to us feeling about that. And anybody is entitled to their opinion. I'm not telling anyone how to feel, but it's just for two people that I've never actually met, both of whom are mothers, I can't sit here and rile people up in the way that I think a lot of people would probably want us to. And I understand if that's the type of episode you're looking for. It just feels really, really wrong to me because I think that this shit is scary and super intense and I don't feel qualified enough to completely invalidate one person's experience, just as I would never invalidate Brittany's experience. Right. Totally. I also feel like it makes me a little bit nervous to even begin to do that because I mean, and listen, I don't know her at all, but I would never want Alex Cooper herself to end up in a situation as well, where she's getting the death threats for giving Jamie a platform. I'm sure that Alex, in terms of putting these two episodes out, are dealing with a lot of shit too. So I just think that in order to frame conversations, we all just have to be like, yes, everybody involved is a human being. Let's start there and then move on with the conversation. To me, that seems like such a logical step, like obviously, but I swear to you, I've the takes that I've seen by people that I really actually respect, they just remove the humanity from both of these people. Like I know this has been in front of our eyes for so many years. And, you know, people start to feel like characters when they're this famous. I get that, but it's off. Something is really off in the way that it's being communicated. And I just like support Brittany to the end. I want her to have every ounce of her freedom. I want her to get those 13 years back in as many ways as she possibly can and do whatever she wants with the money that she has worked her entire life to make. Of course. And I think this was the shittiest timing of a book potentially of all time, but also like, let's all just take a beat. Yes. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... 
every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, so then on January 14th and January 15th, Brittany posts two more direct responses to Jamie Lynn on Twitter. And in the first one, she references an anecdote from Jamie Lynn's book where she talks about Brittany pulling out this knife. And if you just saw that like floating on social media, you're probably really confused. She wasn't saying that Brittany pulled a knife on her. She was saying that when she was a child, it was when things were just really escalating and Brittany was feeling really unsafe. And she said to Jamie Lynn, I'm feeling really scared. And basically she took a knife and took them both into this room. That, that There's nothing that transpired more than that. It's not like Brittany did anything with the knife. It was more so Brittany was so concerned for her safety. And she took Jamie Lynn, according to Jamie Lynn, into this room, locked them in there and had the knife to kind of protect them. So Brittany's response is, so I'm obviously just paraphrasing here, but she says, you know, Jamie Lynn, congrats. You sued to a whole new level of low. And this is when she says, I've never been around you ever with a knife or would I ever think to do such. She's like, so please stop with these crazy lines for the Hollywood books. Now and only now I do know only a scum person would make up such things about someone. She then goes on to say, I'm actually very confused about you making that up because it's honestly not like you at all. Around the kids, Jamie Lynn, seriously, come on. Congrats on introducing your oldest sister to the concept of getting low, lower, lowest, because you went on that one, babe. The day after, she posts another Twitter note. I think I need to read this entire one. Yes. Jamie Lynn, I don't think your book is about me at all. I said some harsh things because you obviously hurt me by the things you're making up about me. When I said only a scum person would make up things like that about someone, I could have sworn I said, but you're not. But it doesn't make sense at all to me what you're saying. I know you worked hard for the life you have and you've done amazing, but I think we both would have to agree to the fact that the family has never been remotely as hard on you as they have been on me. What dad did to me, they didn't even do to that to criminals. So for you to sit back and act completely aloof to what has happened to me is honestly insane. Do you know anybody who worked as hard as I did and put in the hours I did during those 13 years only to be sent away for four months for no reason at all? And I won't even mention what was done to me in that place. It took them years to give me a cup of coffee. People who have killed people and are in jail on death row can have as much coffee as they want. So why the hell is my own family hiding coffee from me? 
You guys treated me like nothing and that's not even half of it. I'm honestly shocked dad isn't in jail. Come on, we're supposed to have each other's back, but what you're saying just truly confuses me. All I know is I love you unconditionally. So go ahead and say whatever you want. It's so tacky for a family to fight publicly like this. You say you love me, yet your loyalty is still with the people that hurt me the most. I think the thing that saddens me the most is when all this happened to me and when I called you from that place, you would take days to respond. I never got to talk to you. You just texted me days later and I was so scared. I needed you, my family, my blood, and your support more than anything. You guys did absolutely nothing until a year ago. I said something on Instagram and you and Brian showed up at my house because of an Instagram post. That makes me the saddest. Why? Because I needed you way before that. And the fact that you and Brian showed up laughing at my gate instead of knowing you should have been there way before that makes me very sad. I don't care anymore. Say whatever you want. Just know that I know your real heart more than anyone. It's your life and you deserve a beautiful life. I wish I'd be able to do what you're doing and do interviews. I'm scared of all of it. I admire you for being strong. Just know I love you. And I think that you know that already more than anything. I mean, that was intense. That one made me really sad. It made me sad too, because it almost like brought us back to the root of all of this, which is that I do believe these sisters love each other. Right. And I think that's why I have a difficult time with all of this is because, I mean, a lot of people may disagree. I still think there's resolve here and I still think there's stuff that they can work through and get to the place that they used to be at. Because I don't think that the years that we saw them together and viewed them as sisters and best friends was a lie. I think that their age gap played a huge role in their relationship. And and Jamie saw Brittany as such a maternal figure in her life because she was 10 years older than her. And I think all of those years of watching them be together and do red carpets together and support each other's projects. And, you know, Brittany wrote the theme song for Zoe 101. I think that all of that stuff was so genuine. And so to see where they've gotten to at this point now makes me so sad, but it also... I mean, I may sound crazy for saying that. I think there's hope in terms of them getting to a place of understanding with each other and really working through this stuff because I don't know. I think it's still there and you can both agree on it and you both can agree that you love each other and that your toxic home played such a role in the relationship you had now. Can't you guys just take this all offline and work through it together? It's so sad. I mean, I would say that right now, and which we'll get into in a second, is maybe the worst of it all where we're at, the cease and desist and then a response because basically the day after this, Jamie Lynn responds on Instagram saying, Brittany, please just call me. You know, she wants to handle it privately. And then two days later is when her call her daddy episode drops, which for anybody who didn't listen, and again, by the time we release this part two, very well may be up. But in part one, it's a lot of background. She's basically talking about her childhood, talking about what it was like growing up in that house. There are a few anecdotes that she mentions about Brittany, but a lot of it is really and I'm sure part two gets a lot more into Brittany, but part one, I would say, is mostly about her experience. She talks about getting pregnant. She talks about the toxicity of both of her parents, some of the arguments that they got into. And the day after that, yesterday, is when Brittany's lawyer, Matthew Rosengart, sends a cease and desist letter to Jamie. Okay, I'm going to read it. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And 
I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Dear Miss Spears, as you know, I represent your sister, Britney Spears, and I write at her request concerning the above reference matter is the book. We write with some hesitation because the last thing Brittany wants is to bring more attention to your ill-timed book and its misleading or outrageous claims about her. Although Brittany has not read and does not intend to read your book, she and millions of her fans were shocked to see how you have exploited her for monetary gain. She will not tolerate it, nor should she. You of all people know the abuse and wrongdoing Brittany had to endure during the conservatorship after initially growing up with a ruinous alcoholic father. In fact, your own book reportedly states that your father, quote, spent most of my life in that cycle of ruinous behavior. His bouts of drinking caused me periods of torment and sorrow. As I've previously stated, having endured a 13-year conservatorship that stripped her of civil rights and fundamental liberties, Brittany will no longer be bullied by her father or anyone else. Brittany was the family's breadwinner, and she also otherwise supported you. Publicly airing false or fantastical grievances is wrong, especially when designed to sell books. It is also potentially unlawful and defamatory. Michelle Obama famously said, when they go low, we go high. And to Britney's great credit, that is exactly what Britney is going to do for the time being. You recently reportedly stated that the book was, quote, not about her. She takes you at your word, and we, therefore, demand that you cease and desist from referencing Britney derogatorily during your promotional campaign. If you fail to do so or defame her, Britney will be forced to consider and take all appropriate legal action. Your representatives may contact me if you have any questions. Okay, so the next day, Jamie's lawyer responds to this, saying... As an initial matter, in your letter, you state that Brittany is going to take, quote, the high road. However, just today, your client posted vile statements on social media concerning Jamie Lynn. These include, but are not limited to, statements such as Brittany should have, quote, slapped you and your mama right across your fucking faces and, quote, whipped your ass 
and quote, pop the shit out of your ass. By the way, what he's referring to, I'll get into in a second. It's an Instagram post that Brittany posted and then deleted and then reposted a little bit differently. Let me continue with the letter though. As you know from previous social media posts, Jamie Lynn has had her children violently threatened, and we have no doubt that these new intimidating and threatening social media posts will lead to similar threats of violence. To be clear, social media posts that include cyberbullying, which caused death threats to Jamie Lynn and her family, is neither, quote, the high road nor anything that will be tolerated. It was also disappointing to see her letter plastered all over the media, as it would have certainly been beneficial to all the people involved and their respective children if there was a private forum to try and redress any grievances. Your letter claims that Jamie Lynn's book is potentially unlawful, defamatory, misleading, and has outrageous claims in it, yet you admit that neither you nor your client have actually read any portion of the book. Frankly, it's impossible to understand what you're requesting my client to cease and desist from doing since the letter fails to specify any legal wrongdoing whatsoever. Okay, so what he was referring to in the letter, it's a post that Brittany made. We'll put the link. I'm sure you guys all saw it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in it, she's also kind of just talking about the upbringing and how she had to work so hard and she would come home and she would one, see the way that Jamie Lynn would speak to their mom. And two, the fact that she felt Jamie Lynn was kind of waited on. Meanwhile, Brittany was out there almost being the breadwinner for all of them. And she spoke about specific instances saying, you know, I couldn't believe when I got home and saw the way that you were talking to mom. And also in the call her daddy interview, there's a part where Jamie Lynn is talking about how Brittany bought their mom, Lynn, a home almost as an incentive for Lynn to leave their dad. And in it, Jamie Lynn's saying how that was all strange to her. She didn't understand. And my perception of it was she was saying that it was so bizarre that a child had to give a financial incentive to their mother to leave their toxic father. But in Brittany's post, she says, saying how weird and dumb it was that I bought a house for mama. She was so proud. And you told that interview girl, meaning Alex Cooper, that it was just weird. Like, I guess I will just walk in these halls. Why'd you say that? And why watching your at-length interview really two hours or more? And the topic about the knife, which is ironically the only lie you've ever told in your whole life. Why is that conversation 20 minutes? And the most degrading to me, oh, but you don't want to keep talking about it because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yet you let it linger forever saying you felt unsafe with me and weird. Fuck you, Jamie Lynn. My mouth was on the floor the way you talked back to mama when I came home. Shocked out of my mind. You were hateful to her and I know mama had been lazy with me, but I'm sorry you deserve way more than a purse knocked at you by mama. She should have whipped your ass. Poor mama took it just like I did in the end. She worshiped you too much, I know it, but if you have come out of my stomach, I would have popped the shit out of your little ass. And she then goes on to say that you and all your friends dyed your hair like Christina Aguilera and you would no longer play with me anymore. I never shut you out. I get it. You were 12, but you were fucking hateful to mama being cool with your stupid dark hair. You can paint it however you like, but dear child, you shut me out when I need you the most. Writing in your book saying I wasn't like your mom anymore. No, you hurt me. This one was so fucking sad to me because this entire thing can basically just be considered deep, deep, unresolved childhood trauma that both of these women should never have had to deal with. And hearing Brittany talk about it in this way and the amount of hurt that she still has and Jamie Lynn still has as well, it's it's so upsetting. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. 
Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. I recently saw a tweet that was like, wow, it really takes you into your adult life to realize that your siblings have their own perspective. And I think that's kind of exactly what's happening here, which is like, it's so hard when you grow up and you know that you and your sibling have the exact same experiences because you have lived in the exact same house and you share almost every single moment of being the exact same, especially when it comes to your parents. And so it's really hard to imagine that a situation that you can view so clearly and have such distinct feelings on that your sibling who went through the exact same thing could have an entirely different set of feelings and entirely different perspective on. And so when you're dealing with this level of deep, deep childhood trauma and these two vastly different perspectives on what happened, but both agreeing on that same childhood trauma, it's a really difficult thing to work through. But I think what the hardest part of all of this is is that that can be worked through. I think that if Jamie and Brittany sat down, that dealing with that childhood trauma is something that they could probably get to a resolve with. The issue is that on top of that, you have this 13-year conservatorship of Brittany enduring just abuse and her human rights stripped and just the worst thing that you could really imagine for a person. And so when you have that on top of all of this unresolved childhood trauma, that's when you're really at a point of like, is this possible to even be fixed? Yeah. Or do you even want it to be fixed? 
Right. And that's the question that I obviously don't know the answer to. And I don't know where either of them stand on that. It's just really dark. I mean, the thing is, they both grew up with those parents who were simply unqualified to, in my opinion, from everything we've ever read or heard them both talk about, to kind of be parents. And so, so much of what was going on is that in a lot of ways, Brittany not only had to parent Jamie Lynn, but on top of it, she really had to be the voice of reason with her parents. Like, that is unbelievable that a child, and I don't care how old she was, I don't care if she was in her 20s, whatever, a child has to incentivize her mother to leave the abusive father by buying her a home that she can live in. Like basically let's strip that down. You have to put a roof over your mother's head so that she can take your family out of the dangerous situation of your alcoholic abusive father. That is fucking terrible. That is a situation that no child should ever have to be put in. Can you imagine what that did to those girls? Like, and I think that what Brittany is getting at is that like, you can never understand Jamie Lynn, the amount of pressure that that was for me. And like I said, Jamie Lynn has her own experiences. That was, she grew up in that same house. It's not like she had better parents that, I mean, clearly in terms of the way that Brittany recounts that they were kinder to Jamie Lynn than they were to Brittany. But in general, their role models were not at all, in my opinion, substantial, but it's like, I can't imagine what that must have been for Brittany to, to recognize that you're under control of people kind of, yet also you're the one that has to be the parent. Right. And that house anecdote is almost the biggest example of that perspective difference where in Brittany's mind, when she describes that, that was a moment of like power for her. Like she was able to finally do something for her mom. And in her eyes, that was like a really great thing that she was doing. And she was so proud of herself and her mom was so proud of her. And like, you know, that was her moment of, I made it. I am Britney fucking Spears. And not only am I made it, I'm going to make sure everybody else I'm taking with me. And like, that's a big thing for Britney, especially when she's viewing herself and she's viewing what she's done for her family. At the same time, Jamie Lynn views that experience as like, wow, that was so confusing for me. Here I am a kid and my older sister is the one incentivizing my mom to leave our abusive dad. And I think Jamie Lynn says in the interview where she's like, you know, dad came over that first night in the house. He was there. And she was like, so I had this confusion of like, well, am I supposed to tell Brittany that? Like, is she allowed to know? And it's really confusing, obviously for a child. It's like, who's the parent here? Especially when there's such a big age gap. And so again, not saying that one person's perspective is right or wrong in this situation. I'm just saying you can see how an event that they both agree on the details of can be so differently viewed by the two of them. Yeah. And the other thing is like, this happens a lot when there's this large of an age difference in siblings. And also when the parents are not necessarily there, you know, it happens. The older siblings almost take on the role of the parent. The complication here is that it's rare that the older sibling is also the one making this kind of money. And so it added a completely other level. And I have to imagine a completely other level of pressure to Brittany. It just, this is so upsetting. I, like I said a million times, I'm sure by the time this is out, part two of Call Her Daddy will be released, which I'm sure there's a lot more in and a lot more to get into and break down. But I just I just really feel for the whole situation. And I wish Brittany to have peace on this. I think she is being emotionally tormented by this entire process. And I think that she hasn't even begun 
I have to imagine she hasn't even begun to unpack the trauma from those 13 years. And I think trying to come up for air and then having this is definitely not easy. And at the same time, I think that reliving this is probably not easy for Jamie Lynn because the bottom line is that they both have really shitty parents that fuck them up deeply and it's wrong. And it just sucks. It's a shitty situation. And I mean, we'll see what else happens. I can't imagine part two is going to be received well by Brittany though. No, I can't imagine that either. And I think the way that everybody kind of feels about this situation is like, you know, it's almost like, Jamie, if you were so serious about wanting to fix your relationship, don't you think the book was the biggest detriment to that? And I think that's how everybody kind of feels, which is like, if you care as much as you say you care, why are you continuing on? And so, I mean, we'll see what part two of Call Her Daddy is because I am, I mean, I can't lie and say I'm not interested by what Jamie Lynn has to say. I don't have to agree with her to still be intrigued by her side of the story. So, I mean, we'll see. And I I really do. I don't know if that's like wishful thinking, but I really do hope that the two of them can get to a place where they, maybe they can't ever fix things, but they can come to some sort of resolve and understanding because also they both have kids. That's a huge piece of this. And like when you have cousins and nieces and nephews, you want to take an active role in their life. And especially when they're innocent parties. And so at least for the sake of them, I hope that they can figure something out. Yeah. Me too. It sucks. Anyway, that's kind of the update. I hope that that helped anybody that was confused get a little bit of a better understanding. I'm sorry that we're never going to come at this with, I think, the hatred that a lot of people want us to. I just feel like totally unqualified given that these are like inner workings of a family that we know nothing about intimately. And to call either of their humanities into question after one of their humanities literally was called into question for 13 years just feels wrong. And I'd rather take backlash for not going hard enough than for feeling like I'm contributing to death threats against a child. So that's the end of that. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that was beautifully sad. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. Well, we love you guys. Isabel and I will see you for so much later content with Bravo and Summer House and all of that tomorrow. We love you guys. Thank you. Bye.